I'm all about finding the little joys in your everyday, whether it's the cup of tea, whether it's the walk, whether it's pets, whether it's seeing flowers. At the moment, there's loads of bluebells out, you know, just little things and being with that to help move forward. And then because we all know that grief isn't linear, so there will be triggers. There'll be times where you're brought back to it. Um, and I think this past year, although it's brought us together as communities in groups, I really feel that it has. There have also been a lot of triggers with um, with everything, haven't there, with lockdown and, and coronavirus. So it has, you know, there'll always be those things coming up. And I think it's so important that we learn where we can find strength and, and learn things, learn things to help, our, to help ourselves. Welcome to the Full Stop Podcast with your hosts, Sarah Lawrence from After the Storm, Berenice Smith from Walking Our Shoes, and me, Michael Hughes from Married and Childless. Now, if this is your first time here, our podcast is centred around supporting the Childless Not By Choice community, and our aim is to be a focal point for the community, and with all our special guests, show you how to manage your grief and give a voice to the issues specific to us. And by example, show that a full and happy life can be had without those children we dearly wanted. Now this episode, we explore how to find the joy in the everyday with Claire Elray and Bindi Shah. Now we'll let them introduce themselves and what they get up to. Now please be aware, there are potential triggers in this episode and there is a brief discussion on suicide. Proceed with caution and seek help if you need to. So let's hear from Claire and Bindi. What we'd like to ask is if you'd like to just introduce yourselves to the listeners and just say who you are, what you're doing, and then we'll kind of take it all from there. Lovely. Bindi, would you like to start? Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Hey everyone, I'm um, Bindi Shah and I do meditation classes. Um, I've been teaching meditation now for a long while. Um, I started off by going to India to learn and with yoga. So I was doing yoga and meditation to start with and now meditation classes. And recently I have started meditation classes specifically for childless, not by choice. Thank you, Bindi. That is really lovely. Thank you. Claire, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Lovely, yeah. So my name's Claire Ellery and I run a little organisation, a little a little singing um organization called growing singing and again like bindi i have recently started um a group for specifically for childless not by choice women um and that really came out of the pandemic weirdly as as so much has um because i've been running singing groups i'm more or less evangelical about singing and about how good it is for us to sing. It's not the solution to all your problems, unfortunately, <laughs> but it can be for those people who like singing, even, even, even if they don't think they can, 
it's so important to sing it's it it's so it's so releasing to sing it's it can bring you joy and connection in a way that few other things can so so i've been evangelical about singing for a long time maybe 25 years i have been running groups but obviously i've been running them face to face and in the pandemic i was forced to go online like most of us and i loathed it absolutely loathed it and i would cry at the end of every zoom session and i thought i thought actually i'm not going to be able to do this this is not for me and i thought fair enough that's that's okay you don't have to but then i got all these messages back from people in my kendall groups and my local groups saying oh it's so good to sing it's still good to sing it's not the same but it's good blah 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 and i thought oh oh this is my job <laughs> this is still my job and it is still offering joy and connection and a good singing experience in the midst of all this and that made me think oh could you do that with childless not by choice women could you could you have that experience with a with a worldwide audience who don't have to be in Kendall and so I did an experiment I did for I launched in World Childless Week in 2020 and just did a free experiment to see could, can it work and I had about 40 50 people who were interested and about 30 people 25 perhaps who actually turned up and I was blown away by the fact that people did. They did experience that joy, that connection. They loved learning some new songs. And I just thought, oh, <laughs> I've discovered something I want to do now. And it gave me this huge lift in the midst of the pandemic to do that. So I've continued and I call it Growing Singing, Childless and Whole. And it, it is, I want to say, unfortunately, just for women because that sort of feels like my, um, that feels like my expertise. I don't know where it's going, but for the moment it exists and people can join us for free just to try it out, like come and see if you like it. And, uh, and I don't know where it's going. I, I, we, we may do some recording. We may do one of those, um, you know, recordings, virtual choir recordings, or maybe we won't. We, don't really talk about our childlessness while on the call though it though it comes up because that's one of our connections but the real connection is about singing that we all want to sing and learn songs together and and so that's how it started and and that has been surprisingly and kind of magically powerful for me it feels very much my thing because obviously I'm I too am childless not by choice <laughs> And that, you know, it's like, oh, oh, this is this brings together all sorts of me. Um, so, yeah, that's where that's where I am. The very beginning of something experimental, but rather lovely. How amazing is that? How exciting to be talking to you at the beginning of something amazing and experimental. I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice. It's incredible. And the emotion that that is obviously bringing as well and the comfort too. And it's so lovely, I think, isn't it, to have something that's, hours and so many things I think in our community can be taken or you go to something and it can be triggering 
you know we've all been to those situations where we've been into a, a class and and Bindi ever said the same with you certainly I go to meditation classes and to to yoga and you're kind of thinking oh oh okay am I going to be okay here because it's meant to be relaxing this is this is meant to be relaxing but there's this kind of bit on the edge of me that's going if they stay the word your children I'm going to just go completely nuts here and that's not the purpose of me being here but I don't really want this to be a triggering space so I think that's quite a nice thing to create isn't it to give something back that's ours yeah yeah definitely and uh, that whole especially when with meditation and you go inwards and it's very you know you're opening yourself up you're really opening up your heart you're opening yourself up to receive and it's it creating a safe space where you don't have to then worry about what's going to happen with the teacher you know is she suddenly going to you know get pregnant there's none of that worry going on and also you know the the people popping up behind the teacher in the space, the photographs behind. I mean, yes, as Claire said, everything's online now. And we've all seen interviews with people and they've got all their photographs behind them. And it's all about, you know, their their lives, all about um, their children, a lot of it. So all of that within, I really wanted to create a safe space that we don't have to worry about that. So we can feel comfortable going within, we can feel comfortable with the healing and the healing journey that we're all, we're all coming about. And funnily enough, I also started during World um, Childless Week with um, Stephanie. So that was like amazing as well. And having those groups and realizing that yes, there is, um, oh, I don't know what to say. There's like, you know, value in that, in, in pinpointing rather than having necessarily like it's a, it's a broad meditation class because I do do broader meditation classes, but that value of having a group which is specifically for us and our story and where people can understand us um, and we don't have to explain everything we don't need to go into the class and explain and all of our journeys to here are different but what um, connects us is that understanding we can understand everyone's journey whatever our journey has been to this you know because there's so many different parts and even my own journey it's been um there's been health aspects so I've had adenomyosis um which involves a lot of continuous very heavy bleeding and um lockdown as well so it's quite um ironic that we went into the lockdown and I already knew how that felt being you know, not being able to do everything that you want to do or not being able to go outside or be restricted during certain, you know, weeks and months of the year. Um, and so, so yes, yeah, so most of my journey is, is with health, but there's other aspects as well. We tried um, adoption. So there's all that thing of, oh, why don't you just try? And, you know, that's like, well, what do you say to that when you have tried? It's like, so... Um, so difficult so there's lots of different aspects to people's journeys but what this does is it brings everyone together with the understanding so I think that's really special as well 
So, Bindi, you're like the real McCoy because you've been to the spiritual home of yoga and meditation. <laughs> I have. I have. Wow. I, I learned. Yeah, I spent um, a year, 2002. So I used to be in a corporate um, job in Frankfurt, actually. I used to live and work in Frankfurt for a few years. Um, and it was very, very busy very corporate telecommunications so I took myself out to um, India to study Ayurveda and yoga and meditation and yes you can imagine what a huge learning curve that is going to an eastern you know country to live for however long um, from western so but yeah and I learned um, really 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 special learning there because it's all guru student so they call it guru shishya the shishya is a student so you're learning you're absorbing you're just open and absorbing all of that learning in you learn sanskrit um you just you know you learn about the herbs out there and it's just every, you absorb everything it's very different from classroom learning um yeah so very practical very much in there and yeah beautiful so whereabouts in india was this sorry i love the detail yeah yeah of course it was um coimbatore which is tamil nadu which is on the border with kerala so ayurveda basically ayurveda's home we can say is kerala mm -hmm. um and it's south so south india and it's kind of the 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 part i always um feel that kept most of it because it was the part which was less colonized by all the difference so you know first of all the mogul empire and the british empire and all of that kind of colonization and the south of india has really kept its heart i always feel mm. more so than 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 north india um so they really kept their culture there with the ayurveda the natural healing so ayurveda um for listeners is the ancient healing art of india so it's like all natural medicine and that relates then with yoga because yoga is the physical let's say physical medicine physical natural medicine so all links in and then the meditation is the emotional aspect the spiritual aspect um, so yes, I spent a year there, which was so, so interesting and just amazing to do. And at the time I decided because I didn't have, um, you know, I didn't have a partner, wasn't married, didn't have, you know, have, have a boyfriend or anything. And I was like, right, let's go. I actually got made redundant um, in Frankfurt. And I was like, right, what am I going to do? So I took myself off to, um, to India for a year to learn. Well. That must have been such an experience. Yeah, it was. Did it take it did it take long to get sort of acclimatized in terms of just culturally and I guess, you know, physically while you were there? Yes, definitely. About three or four months to really understand um the culture and to be comfortable with it as well. Yeah, yeah. it takes takes a while so when you're on holiday it's different isn't it you're on holiday you're just enjoying you're in that kind of moment of enjoyment and then when you're living studying shopping cooking all of those things that you do for your for yourself even though you know I was in a school 
um, environment. So there were other students there and things, but there's still a lot that you do for yourself. Mm. And the heat, you know, just things like that, the heat and all of that, getting comfortable with, you know, doing yoga and exercise in that heat as well and learning. <laughs> wow, that is beautiful, Bindi. That is really lovely to hear it. You know, and I, I love the, I love that, that that's another connection. Bindi and I have been noticing connections between us <laughs> and, and and the connection is that I too lived abroad. It wasn't in India. <laughs> I wish maybe another time. Um, but I lived in Italy for years um, between the ages of 25 and 30, that kind of age. I'm now 57. Um, so it was a long time ago now, but I really get what you mean about living somewhere else. It's different to visiting somewhere else. You you develop a kind of connection with that place that that is is wholly wholly different than being than just visiting. It's just a different experience, isn't it? It's a different travel experience. And because you're not you're not traveling, you're living there and you're being mm. there. And uh and and for me that was that was where that was it was in Italy. I assumed of course at 25 that I was going to go out to Italy and and there I would meet and then I would be married and then I would have children. And, you know, it hadn't occurred to me. It didn't occur to me for a second um, that I wouldn't have children. Um, and, uh, and, and it was the living in Italy that made me realise after five years that I really needed to be back in the UK because for better or worse, and in many ways it's worse, the UK is my home. <laughs> That's where I that's where I really belong. Um, and so coming home was necessary, too. Um, but I came home then five years later, having lived in Italy, having assumed that maybe I would meet somebody and family would ensue. And it hadn't. And it was at that point, at 30 years old, that I began to experience um, periods of depression, periods of anxiety, which now I look back and I realise that was the beginnings of grief. That was the beginnings of something. Now, I had no idea about that at the time. I, I, was, I was only 30, so there was no need to worry. <laughs> but, but I began to experience periods of anxiety and depression, which, yeah, through, through having some help, I recovered from. But I, I didn't... It wasn't until I was 53 <laughs> that I realized I still needed help and I still with my childlessness I mean but by then my childlessness was very real and there was no there was no question that I wasn't going to be childless by then um and and I now look back at that period and think I I learned something about grief I have now learned something about grief and I can look back and think oh that was why partly partly it's, it, our lives are so complicated aren't they mental health is so complicated but um but i now realize that i was beginning to experience the grief of childlessness at, at 30 years old and i'm really curious about how many people for whom that is true that they start to get an inkling that maybe it isn't going to happen for them and i love the idea that what we're doing by podcasts like these by building a community of people who are childless not by choice is we're allowing in that narrative that yeah some people are not going to be parents and that's okay look at us we're okay 
I don't know if that makes sense. I've kind of rambled into a... <laughs> no, that makes total sense. And I think that's partly, I guess, why we go looking for community, isn't it? Because it's that we all know we don't have to say it, but we also don't then have to deal with, as Bindi said, all the, the hidden triggers that you wouldn't be aware of if you're not a member of this community. So I... I guess listening to you both, and it's both been it's been fascinating already. You can tell I go quiet when I'm really interested. <laughs> it's like, is Sarah there? Yes, I am. Um, but I guess what I hear is is one of you is using you're encouraging us to use our voices to be heard, and then I hear Bindi encouraging us to go inward in like self discovery. So it's kind of almost I was, I was sitting here earlier thinking, how are these two connected other than community? But actually listening to you talk. And your passions it's you're kind of taking our community on different journeys aren't you use your voice have a look inside and see what's going on and get mm. comfortable and that really fascinates me especially when it comes to the mental health side of things yeah yeah and i think i mean in terms of using your voice i i came across in the midst of the experiment to to see whether this singing group could work um a woman who I know locally, who's in her mid-70s. She had joined us and she had been a bit uncomfortable about childless not by choice. She said, well, I am childless not by choice, but I'm not sure about this. Anyway, and she started to speak about a book that she had come across. And it was called, it is called Every Child a Song. And I thought, oh no, she's going to start speaking about a children's book. It, it, this is going to be triggered. Well, no. Every Child a Song is a book about the, uh, it's the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. So it's explaining that convention for children. And it's, um, the, the, it starts off, I'm going to read a bit. When you were born, a song began. Sometimes it didn't sound much like a song. And sometimes no one could hear it. But it was there in every heartbeat, every breath tiny, fragile and unique. A melody the world had never heard before. And as I heard her speaking about it, part of me was beginning to be triggered by the idea of children, I wanted... And then I thought, no, me, I was a child. Each one of us was born with a unique, fragile, tiny voice and and it's, it's allowing the, the childless, not by choice human beings in the world to, to express themselves. That, that voice, our voices are much more rarely heard than the, the parent voice. People who became parents have a, have a reason for their voices. Oh yes, they've got oh, children, they've got children to talk about. Um, and what we're doing so, so carefully and beautifully I think by podcasts like these is is allowing all those unique tiny childless voices to you know we too were children did you I, am I making sense it's our unique voices that have to be t heard too and so yes as you say Sarah I'm encouraging that 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 voice voice use as Bindi is encouraging looking inward somewhat though I'm sure I'm sure that they're connected, aren't they? <laughs> they both they they um they feed off each other, looking inward and then using your voice. 
Bindi, I'm thinking throat chakra here. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I confess now to our listeners, well, not, not confess, I'm delighted to say that I actually do go to, to Bindi's meditation classes and they are absolutely fantastic. Um, I cannot begin to explain how absolutely fabulous they are and how therapeutic they are and what a safe space that Bindi has created. But I think that just you're right in that hot that that lovely turn of phrase there in what you said Claire about um the breath and for me music has a beat and the beat can be meditative and the songs that you sing have a beat so there is a beat to those that's meditative which is also perhaps very much in keeping I think with that meditative aspect of focusing on the breath and the, the movement of breath as well. I'm going to stop talking because Bindi is the expert on this. I'm just thinking about how it sort of does tie together because it, it that inner peace, I think perhaps maybe getting that peace and that confidence together through meditative work and through yoga um, can, I think, really, really help perhaps to give that confidence back as well that maybe people need in order then to think okay yeah I, I can sing it's releasing something there's all this sort of thing I think that what you're doing the common aspect to me is release it's releasing something you know, finding a piece and and yeah so Bindi sorry I'm going to stop yeah. talking because <laughs> you both know you both know this I know that you do so yeah no definitely that whole release and just the different layers, I think, of um, of healing. So yes, meditation allows you to go in. So a lot of the time, so as you know, we were talking about the whole mental health aspect and how grief may have been there for longer, or the grief for the for the child. Let's say you know the childlessness grief would have been there for longer than we realize so by the time it actually comes up we've already been in that grief possibly for years you know at least you know months at least so we've already been in that aspect um, in that part of life but not realizing so what meditation allows is it allows it to come through which is very scary it's not you know it's not um it's not easy. It's not an easy thing. I think grief isn't easy. Childless, not being childless, not by choice isn't easy. None of this is easy for us. Um, and the healing aspects aren't easy either. And I know Sarah knows that as well with her clients, I'm sure, you know, that whole thing, it's not easy speaking about it. It's not easy coming out with it. So you, it's just allowing people to, to know that, to know it's not easy, but also allowing it through because once you allow it through, you can release it and you can let it go. You can have it move out of you. And that's what we need to move forward because we're all in this life. We can't be miserable for years on end. You know, we need to recognize our grief, of course, but we cannot be in that aspect we have lives to live we have to move forward we really do and at the start of course it's going to be difficult and challenging but as we move through as we learn different things as we meditate as we sing as we create things as we do artwork all the different things the writing all the different things we do that helps us release that helps us come up and that helps us move forward and I'm all about finding the little 
joys in your everyday, whether it's the cup of tea, whether it's the walk, whether it's pets, whether it's seeing flowers. At the moment, there's loads of bluebells out, you know, just little things and being with that to help move forward. And then because we all know that grief isn't linear, so there will be triggers. There'll be times where you're brought back to it. Um, and I think this past year, although it's brought us together as communities in groups, I really feel that it has. There have also been a lot of triggers with um, with everything, haven't there, with lockdown and, and coronavirus. So it has, you know, there'll always be those things coming up. And I think it's so important that we learn where we can find strength and and learn things learn things to help our to help ourselves um yeah yeah that's that's lovely to hear bindi really and 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 the learning i love the way you bring in the the other things that one might do yoga art classes whatever we were we were saying this this podcast is partly this particular episode is is about forming groups making connections that sort of and and it does in a sense it doesn't really matter what what those groups are now i'm running a singing group you're running a meditation group but but that's not to say i don't i don't think singing is the only thing i don't think singing is the answer if you're not really into singing maybe a walking group is your thing maybe yeah so so not to be not, not to be sort of exclusive in any sense about what it is that you do, but that um, the importance mm. that if you are mm. in this this community that you didn't choose, you didn't want to be childless, but you are, then can you find, are there things out there that, 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 that suit you, very specifically, uniquely you, or, or do you want to start something? <laughs> That's do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not, yeah. That's it. Mm. It is. It's. I think that the. It's actually. I, I think a lot of it maybe actually is about trying to work out who you were. Before maybe going a little bit backwards into ourselves, if that makes sense. Um, just in my experience of of just stopping writing for a while. Um, I know that we've got that in common as well, Bindi, through the these conversations we've had before about writing, and I. I wrote in the depths of all of my childlessness. I seem to be one of those people that actually, I'd be, I'd be terribly good in the Victorian era. I'd be just marvellous. I'd be, I'd be top selling because the more kind of breath I have and the more grief I have, the better I write. And if I'm actually okay, then I don't. Um, I can't do anything. The words don't come out. So the more tragic I am, the, the better it is um, for writing anyway, which is not healthy. Oh, Berenice, that's so... It's the same with me. It's so cool. <laughs> oh, dark. oh my goodness. My um when I was going, so my big, big, well, after the adoption process, that was 2016. So my big, and then that was it, I knew, and that was like right, that's the start of my um grieving process. And during the depths of that 2017, 2018. I was writing, I was waking up at five in the morning and writing like three poems by six, six a.m. or something. It was just like constant, constant and the flow out, um, which 
was so therapeutic. I mean, oh my goodness, I would just get it all out and then I would feel better, you know, for a little while. And then it would, would come out again, but that depth. And I have, when Claire was speaking about mental health, I did find a poem. I don't know if um, you'd like to hear it. Um, I did during, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, during the myths, I did actually publish and I publish under, or I write my poetry under um, a pseudonym, a pen name, Grace Sumeria, because what I found is I could express myself and I didn't have to care about Bindi Shah or who Bindi Shah knew or who would be reading Bindi Shah's things. And I could just write however I wanted to. And I found this um, amazing, uh, well, statistic, which is very, I mean, I hope it doesn't trigger anyone. So I just want you, everyone to realize who's listening that there are places that you can get, receive help from. And I'm sure there will be links on the podcast as well for that. Um, but there was a statistic, which was with the Fertility Network UK in 2016, where they did a, stu a study, a survey, and they found that 40% of women experiencing infertility had suicidal thoughts and that just really made me think because in the depth depths of my grief at that time it was a very dark time for me and it was a very depressive period and then I read that um that quote or you know that that survey and I was like wow that's 40% and if you think 40% of just the groups that we're in or you know, that's such a huge amount of women. And, you know, and they only say women who knows what's happening with, you know, our partners and our husbands and, you know, our male friends. So I just quickly read this if that's okay. So it's called 40%, the poem. 40% of women who experience fertility have suicidal thoughts. How can I be sure that I will survive given those stats? How can I build myself up, strengthen myself to live? Every day, every morning, every night, so that I become someone with joy not and not merely a number, so that I become a survivor, a warrior, so that I become someone with purpose and not simply existing, so that I become me again before all this. And I thought that was just with, with what Berenice said about bringing it all back to how we were before or just having, yeah, having purpose. That's beautiful, Bindi. That is really, really lovely. And I think it gives a depth as well, doesn't it, to the fact that they are numbers. And we've got an awful lot of narrative, I think, around that at the moment with the pandemic about you know, statistics and people are numbers, not names that have passed or have suffered from COVID. But I think also in any situation, any illness or anywhere where there is a statistic, there is also people behind that. But we all end up being a statistic and we're not then a 
a, a number we're not a, a voice we're not a name we're not given a name which I think is again like you say the podcast you know enormously sort of proud that you know we exist and there are other podcasts coming around too that also give voices as well that's so important and all the groups that happen too um something popped in my head then and I'm just trying to ravel it back in again and what earth was it oh yes because it's interesting that the whole idea of going back to who we were beforehand and actually it's something that comes up isn't it a lot in the conversations around when we're talking to other people people who may be parents or people who choose to be child free but I think particularly with with parents is that we always sort of that thing well they were people before they had children what, what were their interests before they started just talking solely about kids and actually there is a correlation somewhere along the line that 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 what we go through changes us too and it's really hard to go back also and find out who we are as well and there was something I was reading during the week about about people going through that you know fundamentally what we all go through whichever however we end up in this particular room together we've still gone through something life-changing that changes us completely from who we were before but it's very hard I mean my fertility story is lengthy and very, very long and takes up most of my 30s and 40s. That's our 20 years of me trying to remember who the hell I was before. I can't actually really remember. Yeah. Or to redis um, rediscover or discover anew as well, isn't it? It's just about, you know, there might be new things um, as well and getting back. I think just getting back to that part where there was that joy where you felt some joy because you weren't worrying about whether you were going to conceive or you know I just think back to like some of the holidays I had and where I wouldn't drink any alcohol because I was like oh you know <laughs> could be pregnant you know what I mean and it's all those and I think just going back to a time where maybe there's more carefree and joy rather than always having to think about about um things like difficult things I think I think I think we touched on this in the birthday episode actually so if you haven't listened to it <laughs> um, but I guess what we were saying is um we were talking around about this how childless childlessness um fundamentally changes you so you'll be version one you'll go through this and then you'll be version two three four whatever but I guess from our perspective, what you said there is trying to find the joy again is really tricky, actually, because if your whole life has been or, your, you know, your 20s and your 30s has been, this is what I want and I'm going to do anything I can to get it. Trying then to find a little bit of joy can be really tricky. So it's like, OK, I was spat out the back of my journey and I was like, well, I don't even really know who I am. You know, if you'd ask me, what do you enjoy doing? nothing I had no no insight in who I actually was so I think where you talked about going and finding the little things or you know singing or meditation or going to walk out in nature actually that can be a very small step into to thinking well who the bloody hell am I now what do I represent what is my purpose and I think the problem is sometimes we often go purpose when we actually need to take about 10 steps back and go actually who, who am I 
what do I enjoy so I you know I hear you sort of saying going back to you but I guess it's kind of perhaps it is going full circle but you you are going to be a completely different person I think that's the very the real very real thing isn't it but that goes back to what Claire said about that voice, doesn't it? Finding your voice, your your song. It's almost like a full circle, isn't it? You're going back and going, okay, what was I when I had a fragile voice? Mm-hmm. Almost. Just, gosh, there's so much to sort of unravel here. It's all like a little, little sort of, almost like poetry, isn't it? But it is just going, reversing yeah. back. But that's really, really hard to do when it's been such a long part and such a big part of one's life. And, and also, it's th- th- there's all that side of it, and there's the side of identity, isn't there? That like, like myself, I, I come from a big family. My mum was devoutly Catholic, is devoutly Catholic. My father was utterly atheist. They agreed to have as many children as came along, and seven children came along. So I'm one of seven, and everybody... I didn't know that people had fewer than four children, because everybody in my world, when I was young had at least four so when somebody as at a uh, you know in some childhood situation said to me oh catholic i thought how did he know how did he know that i was catholic i don't, I don't really understand because i didn't know that there was anything about contraception in the catholic church that was just my whole world was catholic and everybody was so i it never occurred to me that i wouldn't have children and it actually weirdly naively never occurred to me that i wouldn't have children until I was 40. And I swear that that is true. It just, that was not one of the potential things about me. Not having children wasn't going to be possible. I was gonna have children. So when I became pregnant at 19, completely and utterly by accident, you know, the first sexual experiences I was having, I was shocked and I was, slightly horrified but I wasn't horrified no because I was gonna have a baby oh my god that you know I was just gonna start early and my family all went into kind of oh well you know these things happen you're gonna so so there was this incredibly intense uh joy that I was gonna have a baby oh my god we were so excited as well as a little little bit like oh you you better stop college for a bit you better intercalate and I can summon up the excitement of that now I won't because it's quite triggering <laughs> but I obviously didn't have the baby I miscarried the the pain of that was huge and massive and that was not something that my family or the people around me dealt with it was like oh well right now we'll all move on shall we that didn't happen now Claire go back to college do the, you know and and I just cried I, I have a I wrote a song about it seven years later that that is that you know, it's, it's, it's that feeling of seven years along my road. And I can't forget your name. Of course, this baby had a name. And so on. And I, the next time I became kind of really, really um, desperate about pregnancy was, was when I was 40. So in the intervening years, all I did was wait for it to happen. I was single all that time, more or less. So of course it wasn't going to happen motherhood wasn't going to come across me being single and I was very frightened of repeating a devastatingly traumatic experience again so I wasn't going to get pregnant by mistake again so it wasn't until I was 40 that I suddenly thought oh my god I really 
I need to get, I need to get pregnant. And I approached friends who are gay and they were so excited by the possibility that we were going to have a child. And once, and again, I can summon up the excitement of that period of my life. There were 18 months, two years. That's all we did. We, we tried to have children. We tried to have a child together. And I was so excited. I was so thrilled. I knew it was going to happen. Again, it just never even occurred to me that it might not. So, so it then in, my story then includes eventually IVF, eventually attempting to come to terms with the fact that it wasn't going to happen. I was by then 42, 43. You know, stop it. You can't maintain a relationship with three of you when you're not going to have children. And they since have gone on to adopt as, as a couple. Um, and I do get a, a huge lift when I think of those boys. They adopted two boys who were full siblings. Um, and I think, oh, if we had had a child as a threesome, those two boys who are getting bigger all the time would not have those incredible parents they have. And and wow, that's but how painful is that? I I don't have children. My identity has utterly, utterly changed by that experience. Nobody can tell me that isn't as huge an identity change as parenting would have been, whether it happened at 19 or 40. It, you can't you can't deny the hugeness of the identity change, can you? That, that that happens in you when you do not become the parent that you planned to become. Mm. It yeah, it just it 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 beggars belief sometimes that people's um, denial of that people's you know mm. oh you didn't have kids oh you can have one of mine <laughs> you know it's that dismissiveness, isn't it? I think oh it's very God. hard. To get that, and and it's something Jodie talks about often, Jodie Day, about disenfranchised grief. Um, in fact, I did a talk on oh, Thursday um, to a gender balance network and happened to drop into the conversation that when people are working from home, they might be working in the room that was meant to be their child's bedroom. And it's a mixed demographic, sort of parents in there, and there was a collective kind of, oh, like that. And it was true. It's absolutely true. So the room I'm sitting in right now, you know, and it's become a positive space because, of course, the podcast is recorded from here, which is also really lovely. You know, it changes the space. But actually, they it's so disenfranchising, so awful to sort of say, OK, all these things mean very little or that if you try to talk about them, then you're actually closed down for that, too. And actually, there they are life changing just as much as being a parent as your friends are to being adoptive parents and the process and the journey that they went through in order to have their two sons. It's but it's a different path, isn't it? It's a very different route to take. The adoption route is very different to the other routes that we may change. They're all very different paths, yet are all kind of lumped in, I think, together by people from the outside because there's a very much a lack of understanding 
because we don't get the space to talk about what it is we're doing and therefore nobody learns from anybody and we end up with a them and an us situation so we have to find these safe spaces where we can sing and we can meditate and we can walk in places with others who as Sarah said we know that that's what we've got in common but it's not the thing that we necessarily always talk about um as two three weeks ago three weeks ago i think it was i went to i did a meditation i, I do something um it's a, a something called about archetypes and i did that um three weeks ago and it was all about innocence and as you said bindi you go into quite a deep place when you're meditating and you have this infinite trust with the the teacher that they can support you and they talked about going through the meditation was going through a journey you know you choose a place and a safe space and the idea is you're going on this this journey and you're walking through this environment to this place that is safe for you and in this place and I chose my house because I thought well that's where I felt safest during the whole kind of lockdown it's my home and it was very pleasant. I thought, oh, that's lovely, because, you know, I've often felt about leaving this house because of the memories that it contains. But actually, I thought about that. So I thought, oh, yeah, my house, that'd be fantastic. So I'm sitting there meditating and at my house and about the door. And I'm like, yeah, I know my door. I love my front door. Actually, it's new and I love it. And um, oh, this is all really lovely. And that's my hall. And I've decorated my hall lately and I love my walls. And, and in this room, there is a child in a cradle, says the teacher. And I thought, oh, oh, no, 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 leave, gone, straight out, literally within seconds I had left the space. And it was really difficult because I thought, well, there's obviously, I know what other people's situations are, but given there's about 30 people on this and statistically one in five, we're one in five and there's got to be somebody else there and I don't know how they're feeling about that and the person that's behind all this is actually a friend of mine and we had a lovely conversation about it and I did explain to him that this is the thing and they had tried to sort of say that there might be something triggering because it is about innocence and about back to children but for whatever reason I missed that thing that warning it just wasn't there for me I sort of I don't know whether it's complacency or, or just I wasn't. I think I was paying attention. I'm sure I was. But, you know, it then became quite a big trigger. And luckily, I knew that later on that day, I was going to Bindi's class and that actually I could do another meditation almost to replace that experience and was able to find a safe space and get my kind of ball of light going. And that was really helpful. I felt like I had a little bit more strength back from that. But it does concern me that, you know, there is that trust that we place in other people and however much we can explain what we've been through, sometimes that message doesn't always sink in as much as it should do, which is why these communities and safe spaces are so important. Mm. And I think that is the thing of having a group that understands you and where you can find empathy, understanding and one of the things that I really realized at the start of, you know, of this year that we've had at this um, lockdown and pandemic year that at the start, it seemed as though people were having a lot of empathy with different things. So with say with chronic illness, when people have to be inside and they can't go out and then people were understanding, oh, wow, that's really difficult because everyone was restricted and everyone had to stay inside. 
And then as the months went on, it just seemed as though that empathy and understanding just went away and we're back to, I don't know, you know, how it kind of was when people weren't understanding. So in a way, these groups are so important because then you are in community with people who do get you. And however much we would love and really wish it to be wider and, you know, to to be understood by family members, by the wider community, it's really, really difficult. And I think, um, yes, of course, there are friends, you know, people who get us and people who do come into our community and and mothers and parents and and everything. But, you know, it's um, there's more likely that people don't. And I think that's why it's really important to have groups where you can feel safe and and what I've also been thinking is that you can feel seen because if you do say your child was not by choice do people really know all of the different layers and you know the lives that we've led since we were maybe mid-20s or early 20s all along and it's just that kind of you can be seen you can be seen and you can be heard people will get you and you don't have to explain loads and loads and um I'll equate it just because we had um you know we had the Black Lives podcast I just equate it to that and it's I feel it's very similar to being a woman of color as well, actually. And then not having to explain everything when you're in that space and people get you. And it's very similar, I guess, to lots of different diverse groups, actually, isn't it? Just, you know, even a disabilities and all different diverse groups. You're in a group where people get you, you they understand you, you can feel comfortable. You don't have to explain because actually most of the day you're probably explaining just like you had to explain Berenice to that um, person after that meditation you know we are having to explain so this is a place where you don't have to and also in explaining it it's making sure that you trust that the response is going to be empathetic as well I think judging when to say something and when to not say something and when just to walk away and cut your losses I think is a massive thing to learn a big thing to learn um, because sometimes you just know, I think particularly on social media, you kind of know when you're on a hiding to know where, and it actually sort of shows, I, I often think now it shows more about that person than it does about us and their lack of awareness and unwillingness probably just to, to change their opinion. And I think you just have to sort of learn to go, okay, yeah, this is not working for me and to walk away that if we do find ourselves in those situations, but also within those groups as well. You know, I, I did go back to the group. It was absolutely fine. And my feedback was taken on board. It was OK. And we had a learning process. So sometimes it's a good thing to say something. And sometimes it's a case of, OK, well, yeah, it's not going to quite work out um, for me in the way that it, it perhaps it should. And we just have to look after ourselves and do a little bit of self-care and walk away. I think I think it's difficult. I think where we're all on, you know, we're all sort of going through our childlessness. Some of us come to it early on. You haven't got the luxury of using your voice or going inside and meditating and having the confidence. You know, I I personally found that actually I lived a lot from the neck up because I didn't want to use my voice. I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to go, oh, hi, you know, I'm childless. And this is what it means. I didn't want to do that educational piece um, because, you know, you're kind of 
I need to look after myself. So I'm just going to live from the neck up, just do what I've got to do. And I can switch all of this, this shit off, basically. So I find actually, um, yeah, you do learn to walk away. But actually, the braver thing sometimes is using your voice or is having that going internally and thinking, well, actually, what do I need right now? Do I need to do that educational piece or do I just need to go off and find my joy somewhere else? And I think having these groups, having these outlets where you don't have to do that, you can just be, is just so, so important for our community because nobody else is going to do it for us. We've got to do it for us, haven't we? It was an interesting thing that popped up the other day, actually, in this talk, and it was about handling um, stuff and calls in Zoom calls. I know we talked about this a few times on and off on the podcast, and it was about the the takeaways that I gave to the group and about how you just think, who needs to know this stuff? You know, does anyone really on this call need to know that, you know, someone is is pregnant? Is that actually necessary, really? Um, And if it's not, is there a better way of of doing that? And... um, and if it's uncomfortable, and I know we talked about it as well, Sarah, in an episode about, well, do you just kind of walk away and just say, oh, my internet went down, or there was someone at the door when you create yourself some space. And somebody else said, well, why don't you just say, actually, I'm extremely uncomfortable with this. I would like to, to, to walk away from this because actually what you said is upsetting me. And I just, my response was, but that actually takes a hell of a lot of courage to do that if you're in a work environment that's not necessarily a safe space and you've got absolutely no idea if anybody else on that call or that situation is same as you or has any empathy with that whatsoever because we're so used to having people going what you know or that if you leave the call they're not going to talk about you and go what was wrong with her then why did Bernice think that was upsetting what did I say I don't know oh well maybe it's the bit that I mentioned that you know I'm you know there's there's children or something so it's a really difficult thing to say really really difficult and it was just like well you know okay pacing again it goes back to trust and safe spaces as well um it takes an awful lot of courage to do that i think all you know also about our guests coming on here and and same to to both of you as well is that it takes courage to do that as well to be here in this space yeah yeah and 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 i love what you're saying about creating safe spaces which which may lead you may if if you if your confidence grows it may lead you back into mixed spaces where you feel more comfortable for, for me for me the singing group for instance my success would be one that people pick up on some kind of mantra like songs to take to take into their life and to to wander around so oh i don't know there's a there's a song that we do that's called bloom where you're planted which i love for our community it actually was written by a friend of mine called ros thomas who is a fabulous song leader in real life and bloom where you're planted flourish in that land hear hear how your heart sings and shine just where you stand those are the words and I, i love that for our community bloom where you're planted it's that's 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 what we're trying to do isn't it i've kind of lost my train of thought it was about safe spaces yeah so so one mantra songs come and learn some songs come and take those away with you but two come and learn them in a space where 
you are you're amongst your own you're you feel safe you you're not going to be triggered by anything well, i hope you're not going to be triggered by anything that is said in the space there are other triggers that might you know um but can you then by doing that grow in confidence enough to to use your voice outside in in spaces where everybody is we're not divided into parents and non-parents and you know, people of colour and not people of colour and, you know, whatever, young people and older people. We're not all divided up into small bits of, of life. Um, can, can, can your confidence grow? So, so for me, success would be people leaving my group. Like, come into it for a bit, but then go and join a real choir. You know, go and join a choir, maybe with a pal who's also childless, not by choice. Go and join. Go and join something in your community, in your in your in your real life. You know your your kind of local community. Um. Yeah, where where the triggers, where you kind of you've learned to deal with the triggers. I don't, is that making sense? It does. Yeah, it's beginning yeah. strength, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, releasing them into the wild. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it is. I think it's true I mean I, when I think about all of our journeys and how we've all met Sarah Michael and I and how we got together it was through um places where people were speaking so actually it was via fertility fest where people were saying something and up on stage doing something and that almost is a kind of a you know you, you think oh and certainly you, you think oh I'm, I'm with people and you get a bit of a buzz of confidence in that whether it's just like sat at a table with another friend um or whether it's just a little bit more than that and it's more people and it's just that strength and you think oh yeah okay yeah i'm not alone i'm not alone in this there's actually other people and and there's always that space as well to come back to so if you do go out into the wide world to um another kind of mixed demographic if you want group and whatever it is you choose to do you do at least have somewhere else to go back to your safe space and to also if there's triggers as well that actually even if they're kind of for you and they're your triggers you actually have people that are around you that you can trust to say actually these are my triggers and I actually would like someone to talk to and it's making more friends that way too I think that is such a valuable thing to do that building of friendship in a time like this as well particularly is really important mm. definitely so where do you want to take it eventually Claire what's what's what do you think the future looks like because you sort of it, it's like new didn't you so it's fairly new have you got a, a sort of vague notion? Um, honestly, no. I don't know. What I know is that for me, I honest about midday Sunday, I start to get excited about the fact that I'm doing that singing, that particular singing group that evening. And I do it on a Sunday night and a Monday morning so that it can be international, so that you could join it later on monday in australia or you could join earlier on a, you know anyway I, I you know you know time zones <laughs> so i tried to do it so, so it's sunday night and monday morning in the uk but that suits a variety of time zones and it's it's still and will perhaps be for some time experimental i don't know quite where it's going part of me wants to say so join us now while it's still you know but but i but i don't really feel like i, I don't think unless it unless it resonates, then maybe singing isn't for you, you know. Anyway, but if, if it does, come and, come and have a taster, a free taster and see, see whether it's for you. Um, 
I love the idea that maybe um, that maybe it will other groups will grow. I, I my 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 thing about singing has always been that it's not about me. It's about singing. <laughs> so so. So I'm certainly not the only person. Uh, we already have Helen Louise Jones has our healing voice, and uh, she does she does wonderful chanting, singing, and um, there are there are there are probably lots of others burgeoning out there, lots of other singing groups. Um, so, so I don't know. I I I don't know where it's going, Sarah. That's my answer. <laughs> I don't know, but I I love it, and the women who are in it now love it, and. So that's a pretty good place to start, isn't it? I want to, I want to see that. I want to see that online core, uh, choir that you talked about. I, I think, think flash mobs as well. Flash mob choir. I was actually going to say that. Yeah, I know. I thought I, could, I knew. To be fair, <laughs> flash... actually, Claire, we had no idea about where the podcast was going either. So, <laughs> yeah, we're still not entirely sure. <laughs> These things happen. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, I think you need to do a flash mob in Liverpool Street Station because lots of other people have done that. So yeah. why can't why can't we? <laughs> it's true. It's true, Michael. That, that is, it's an interesting thing. Things for, for me because I'm not really a performer, and and for for me, singing is about um, it's it's about just using your voice quietly yourself. It's just, I'm a member of the Natural Voice Network, which may be familiar to some people. We, we believe that singing is a birthright and singing is not about having specialist skills like music reading. It's not about that. It's not mm. about having specialist skills like an operatic voice. It's not, you know, you don't have to train your voice. You've got one. So just, just kind of letting it out in song is slightly different, but not very, from letting it out in speech. And so... So the idea of kind of <laughs> flash mobs and performances and big, immediately <laughs> it brings, for me, that immediately goes, I go, no, 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 not me, not me. But I hope there will be other people <laughs> who might. There is, in fact, somebody who's done that. But um, one of our listeners, um, owned by a dog, who I adore her dog, and I won't name her because I don't think that's fair to do so without her permission, but... Um, she has, in fact, and I hope that perhaps maybe through the podcast, we can perhaps connect people together and that she might want to perhaps get in touch with us and just say what she's done and give us permission to share. Because she has, in fact, there's a video of her um, on the train um, with her choir. And um, she's an incredibly talented musician um, and they're singing on a train and and it was just this thing where she post, posted all the choir group that and i follow her choir group on online and she posted i'm like oh that's my friend oh my gosh she's on this train and she's singing and oh that's just so exciting it was just really lovely to see her do that um yeah it was an amazing thing so i think that probably there is like the secret kind of like um like um i don't know gorilla flash mob thing going on within our community somewhere um i have to say that i'm with you claire it's not my thing um i leave that to other people <laughs> I, yeah. I quite like to just uh, you know i like to be there when it happens because i feel like um i think i'm actually one of the crowd going oh my god what's going on where's my phone i need to because actually that would be quite empowering just to sit and watch someone else just do something i would be more happy with that yeah. oh i'd be there if somebody else runs yeah. it <laughs> Well, it's a date, Claire. We need to sort this <laughs> yeah. out. I think someone needs to arrange this. They need to let the podcast know, and we will be there 
in some way or another. Um, wherever you are in the world, we'll try and get there and, and do that and witness it. I think we need to do something quite powerful. Mm. But one of the things that is developing for us is the potential for recording so that so that at the moment online I use my voice overdubbed. I, I sing all the parts. Yeah. And one of the things that we're trying to do is to I'm, I'm trying to arrange is that the women who are in the group will will send me recordings of their voice singing the songs that we're singing so that there's more of a, a full sound with a variety of voices in it, because that. Well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's not Lovely. about it's not about just my voice, and it's very frustrating on Zoom that that is what you've got, you know. Yeah. So, so that's it, amazing. That's one that's of the developments, but it's it's kind of you know it's technological and it's slow and you know. It's amazing. It's incredible. Bindi, what about you? What's your feature with your um, meditation classes and the work you're doing? Um. Well, it's actually. It's meditation classes for childless not by choice has actually reignited my own business again because after my grief I was really like I don't want to do this anymore I was um doing life coaching and I was like I don't want to see people anymore even my you know even the meditation classes because I was teaching physical classes and I just couldn't be in that space so in a way these classes have reignited my own passion for teaching meditation again. Um, and I'm going to carry on. I'm definitely going to carry on because they nurture me as well. So I think as teachers, we teach what we need and it's, you know, it's bringing it back to me. So I'm, I'm receiving the healing as I'm giving out um, to students the healing and, and and the classes so at the moment I have grown so I do have um different again different time zones coming up um and I have a couple of people in Australia because I've got my 11 a.m class in the UK now which is evening in Australia so they're going to come to that to that start that's going to be on a Wednesday so I'll have Tuesdays Wednesdays and Thursdays as my kind of main time for meditations and just grow them with with you know as people want them grow them so that's my plan <laughs> that's lovely to hear it's so nice that it's giving something back to you as well because they are just very lovely classes and very lovely space as well and each week we learn something new I think that's what's been so lovely um with the meditation is that every week we're kind of growing and doing something different so there's a nice process and things that you can come back on. As often I stood in some situations recently and thought, okay, ball of light is quite a big thing in what you're teaching, isn't it? And um, it's something you can take away with you and keep with you all the time. And um, the, the, the shield around you as well. And it's a very lovely thing to have. So it's much appreciated. There's a lovely sense of grace to what you're doing. Oh, thank you, Berenice. And I do find that um, the ball of light is it's actually it, it's actually especially important <clears throat> for us as well with the childless not by choice because I do think it just adds an invisible layer that we can feel as we go out into the world so it's it's really nice because I've always taught the ball of light with all of my classes all these years but it's just it seems to be especially valuable let's say 
for our yeah. community so it's really yeah. nice thank you for saying that well, that's you're welcome just it's very lovely and I'm so pleased that you've got the different time zones as well because it's something that everyone can get um, advantage from and it gives people that flexibility to join in when they feel like it's best for them as well um, you know it's just this time work for me um, some people I know prefer to meditate first thing in the morning and sometimes it's nicer in the evenings so they've got that variety I think if you're in the UK then you've got lots of different times that you can choose from that actually work for you it's that nice sort of um, feel as well that suits into your day so that's really good thank you so very much for joining us how can people contact you Bindi oh yeah so my website is bindishah.com. So it's bindi, B-I-N-D-I-S-H-A-H.com. And it's under meditations. So that's the best. That's the best. I am on, Inst oh, I am on Instagram, letters to my soul. And what about you, Claire? If, if people are interested in what, what you're doing, how can they contact you? So they would, they would want to Google, look up Growing Singing, Childless, and whole if okay. they find growing singing in kendall then there's a page specifically so there's a lot more explanation of what we do mm -hmm. and then they can just um sign up for a free taster and come and just come and see if it's your thing it might not be <laughs> and that's all we have to leave bendy and claire now we would love to hear your opinions on the podcast and you may have a suggestion on how we can improve it we'd love to hear from you you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and the links can be found in our website www.thefullstoppod.com where you can also register for our newsletter so you can keep up to date with what we've been up to. Now we would also appreciate it if you could rate us on the platform you're using to listen to the podcast because the more ratings we get, the wider our spread and the more of our community we can reach. Now we'll put all of Bindi and Claire's contact details in the show notes. And if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or have a burning issue that you think our community should be aware of, then please go to a website where you can find a form to fill in and give some details. Don't forget, we love hearing from our audience, so please drop us a line at any time. And as always, it's important for us to let you know you are not alone. Thank you. I, I just I really enjoyed that much much more than I thought I might. And I am so grateful to the three of you for doing what you do. It is it's oh I don't know, it's just really important, isn't it, that our voices are, are kind of put out there in a variety of forms. Every episode is so different, one from another. And then <laughs> we roll with it. We don't quite know what we're going to do, do, do we? Yeah, well, I, li I like the fact they're different. This one's been really yeah. gentle, actually. I've really enjoyed yeah. this one. Just listening yeah. to you both is fascinating.